This is the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry and its future. Our show is hosted by Rich Miller, the editor of Data Center Frontier. And now here's Rich with our show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first Data Center Frontier Show of 2020. I'm your host, Rich Miller, and I'm really psyched that you're here uh, because I love talking about data centers, and I'm really glad that you tune in and listen. We appreciate all of our listeners, and I hope that these conversations are helpful to you in your work in the data center industry. This is our first show after a brief hiatus. We did our first series of podcasts last fall, and I had a blast and learned a lot about doing a podcast as opposed to writing about data centers. So we'd like to kick off our 2020 season with a series of shows based on our annual forecast. Uh, this is a feature we do each January that we call Eight Trends That Will Shape the Data Center. Uh, at Data Center Frontier, our eyes are always on the horizon and we're uh, constantly talking with industry thought leaders to kind of get their take on what they find interesting in the data center industry uh, and the new trends that are going on. So each January, we boil all this, these conversations down to eight themes that we believe will shape the data center business in the coming year. And at the end of each year, we take a look back at the predictions we made and we rank whether each prediction was a hit, a miss, or just too early. So um, as an example, at the end of 2019, we took a look back at our eight trends. The scorecard found that we had six hits, one miss, and one too early score. So 2019 was a pretty good year for the DCF crystal ball. Uh, we improved on our 2018 performance when we had five hits, one miss, and two predictions that qualified as too early. Uh, I, I think both years, we, the, the too early bucket included liquid cooling. Uh, that may be on the, on the list again in coming years because that's one that's been coming for a long time, and we will talk about more in coming weeks. But on today's podcast, I want to talk about two of the most important trends. The first is data tonnage, and the second is the hardware arms race around artificial intelligence, or AI. The number one trend for 2020 is titled, The Data Tonnage Challenge Gets Real. So let's talk about data. Um, it's the reasons data centers exist and the driving force behind the growth of the industry. The reason that we are always building more data centers is that our world is being transformed by data. Uh, there's this digital transformation. That's a, a buzzword, you've, a buzz phrase you've all heard. Uh, and it's generating an ocean of data fed by a growing universe of uh, intelligent things that, that we all have. Uh, that includes uh, sensors, cameras, uh, your smartphones and tablets, and now it includes the early versions of things like drones, robots, and connected cars. Our number one trend in 2020 is that the explosive growth of data will be felt like never before. Uh, we believe this is a sign of things to come as all of these next generation technologies uh, begin to transform how we store, manage, and move data. 
the data center will drive this disruption, and, and it's also going to be shaped by it. Machine-to-machine -machine technologies, that's M-to-M, will generate enormous volumes of data. That's because, you know, it's very different in terms of the amount of data that human beings can create and the volume that computers can create. Uh, this will be uh, expensive to store and expensive to move. This is what we mean when we say data tonnage, a volume of data that's large enough that we have to think about it differently than the data we may have created last year. Data tonnage creates challenges in both the distribution of data and the concentration of data. As, uh, as data sets grow larger, uh, they're testing the network requirements for things like analytics and AI and data, other data-intensive applications. So how do we deal with this? The answer is really twofold. The first piece is bigger and faster networks. The second piece is distributed compute capacity to perform what we call data thinning before sending uh, business-critical data sets across the network. This involves edge computing, which is the hot buzzword these days that everybody's talking about at all these conferences I go to. A couple of months back at uh, the uh, um, Digital Realty um, Forecast Day, analyst Kelly Morgan from 451 Research published a study that looked at the difficulty of moving large data sets. She looked at the time and the cost needed to move a volume of data over a thousand gigabit per second network connection. For one terabyte of data, it took 88 seconds and cost about $150. For a petabyte of data, it took a full day and cost about $30,000. When Kelly shared this study, it reminded me of a, a famous old saying by a computer scientist named Andrew Tannenbaum, which goes, never underestimate the bandwidth of a station wagon full of tapes hurtling down the highway. Uh, it's an old saw, but it still holds true because nowadays there's lots of video footage for things like TV productions that is still loaded onto trucks and planes and carted around to where it needs to go. So this explosion of data is having a growing impact on the geography of the data center industry. Moving this data is hard and it determines where it goes. This is known as data gravity, and it will create larger and larger concentrations of compute and storage resources at the core of the network, which will mean business growth at most of the major data center hubs, places like Northern Virginia or Silicon Valley or Chicago or Dallas. Um, enterprises will tackle data gravity by bringing their applications closer to their data sources. Uh, this also creates the potential for new extensions of cloud campuses. There, there was a really interesting example of this this year when uh, Cyrus One announced that it would build a multi-tenant data center project near a Google data center cluster in Council Bluffs, Iowa. The idea is that the, the compute will move closer to where the data is stored. So... One of the major uh, use cases for all of this data is artificial intelligence. Our number two trend is about what we call the AI arms race. 
and how it will alter the compute equation. So AI is a hardware-intensive computing technology. Uh, it's used to analyze data both nearby and far away. And this could include um, anything from algorithm training at cloud campuses to the inference engines running on smartphones. Training, of course, is when you take large amounts of data and you feed it to an algorithm and help it learn. And inference is when it uses what it's learned to make decisions at uh, an endpoint, like on your smartphone. This is how AI can make products and services smarter. And every business wants that, which is why AI is emerging, uh, is emerging rather as a strategic priority, uh, frankly, for just about everybody. Uh, the venture capitalist Fred Wilson, uh, who has a, a popular blog about uh, finance and investing, summed this up pretty well by saying that machine learning is now table stakes for every tech company, large and small. Using sophisticated machine learning models to personalize and improve your product is not a nice to have. It is a must have. That's driving a hardware arms race featuring more innovation than the chip sector, frankly, has seen in many years. Uh, AI is creating an insatiable, this is the word Intel uses, an insatiable demand for faster, more power efficient computing hardware. So uh, naturally, it's expected that this will be a busy year for Intel and some of its fellow incumbents in the chip space, uh, companies like NVIDIA and AMD. Uh, in 2020, they'll be joined by a cluster of AI hardware startups that are bringing products to market. We've, we've written a couple of times at Data Center Frontier about uh, some of these startups. Um, an early example is an outfit called Cerebris Systems. Uh, which just launched a system that packs 400,000 compute cores into a 15U rack mount chassis. That gives you a little bit of a sense, for those of you who know uh, computer uh, uh, racks and specs, uh, because they are eye-popping. And as you might expect, they have implications for the data center, including much higher rack densities, and probably more liquid cooling. That Cerebris system will use 20 kilowatts of power in that 15U form factor, which if you fill the rack, implies a rack density of about 60 kilowatts. So that's why from the get-go, it's going to be liquid cooled. Uh, and uh, we can expect, I think, to see more of uh, solutions that use uh, liquid to the chip cooling uh, which is what Cerebris is doing, or immersion solutions in which servers are uh, dunked in, uh, in different kinds of cooling fluids. Uh, some of them are like mineral oil. There's others like uh, Novec from 3M that boils off the heat. Uh, but we think these are the, the kind of technologies and environments that are going to be used to deploy a lot of this new AI gear. So what does all this mean in the real world? How do these, what do these trends look like when they, uh, when they happen in real life? This week, I saw an interesting example of how these first two trends can intersect. Uh, it's an example from the world of AI involving a machine learning model known as GPT-2, um, which 
it's effectively an AI-powered text generation system that can create what they call synthetic content that looks like it was written by a human. Now, this, this model is controversial because of concerns that it could be used for generating deceptive content, so-called deep fakes. Uh, because of that, the initial uh, release of it was limited within the data science community. Um, it's part of um, new types of uh, uh, machine learning models that are, are not just more powerful and can do new things, but they're getting larger and using more compute resources. Uh, GP22 is really huge and really resource intensive. Um, the model evaluates about 1.5 billion parameters. Uh, and um, it, it's not alone in, in that kind of scale. There are new machine learning models from companies like Salesforce and Google and, and also NVIDIA uh, that are even larger and more compute intensive. So this got uh, my attention last week. I, I uh, get an AI newsletter that's uh, published by OpenAI. Uh, it's done by uh, uh, Jack Clark, who many of you may, may know from his time uh, covering the data center sector for the register. Now Jack works in, in AI, and the um, his newsletter included an article on a data science blog that was titled, Too Big to Deploy, How GPT-2 is Breaking Servers. The article talked about how these machine learning models are getting so large that they are becoming challenging to deploy in production, and embedding them in applications is really difficult. Uh, their size is measured in gigabytes rather than megabytes, and they are hungry for compute and memory resources. The, the article was on a blog uh, called Towards Data Science, and I'll include a, a link to it in our show notes, so you'll want to check that out. Um, but it posited several ways of approaching this. On, on the software side, uh, of course, you can always try to write more efficient uh, machine learning models so that they're not quite so large. That can solve some of the problem. But uh, uh, the two sort of uh, uh, hardware-focused problems, or, or solutions rather, um, the first was to deploy the AI models on cloud platforms, since they really can't run on most user computers or on certainly not on smartphones. But that could easily lead to unpredictable resource loads and surprisingly large cloud bills. Uh, you've, if you've um, uh, followed cloud computing much at all, you've probably seen stories of people who have uh, an instance that does something more than they thought it was gonna and they get a surprisingly huge bill from, uh, from Amazon. Um, so that's a risk with, uh, with that approach. The other solution is more horsepower. And that's what we mean when we talk about an AI arms race. CPUs alone won't solve these kind of challenges. That's why AI workloads require uh, GPUs, like we see from NVIDIA, uh, and other specialized uh, semiconductor chips, like FPGAs and ASICs, and Google's custom liquid-cooled units, uh, which are called TPUs, or tensor processing units. These are all customized to handle specific tasks, like uh, you may be familiar from ASICs being used for Bitcoin. Uh, a lot of these uh, high, highly uh, uh, specialized processors are being focused on AI tasks that can be very specific 
and uh, but also uh, very important to end users. Uh, these kind of uh, examples might seem like an outlier today, but keep in mind that we've all seen extreme use cases from two years ago or maybe even a year ago that are commonplace today. The data tonnage challenge will be real, as will the AI arms race. These are just two of the trends that will shape the data center sector in 2020. There's lots more ahead in coming weeks, so I want to take a second and ask a favor. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts on a regular basis. And if you find this podcast useful, tell your friends and your colleagues about the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry, one podcast at a time. Thanks for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show. You can find the show notes for this episode at datacenterfrontier.com slash podcast, including links to the resources Rich has mentioned. Be sure to subscribe to the Data Center Frontier Show at Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or where you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends or share about it on your social channels. You can always find us on the web at datacenterfrontier.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time.